Thank you, Cheryl. And I want to ask all of you to open up your Bibles to that text, because that's what we're going to be referencing this morning in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. Now, today, um, we are going to continue a series called The Legacy of Stewardship. And I, uh, I just, I guess I will apologize. We got, we're going to conclude with communion. And um, I, and I know I, I, uh, I have to, I'm trying to, to go a little bit quicker. And I have to confess, um, I, um, I had an energy drink this morning. And I have been told that I tend to talk really fast sometimes. If any of you ever felt that way, go ahead. You can raise your hand. So, thank you. So, I'm going to do everything I can to slow down because it's called, uh, or today we're going to talk about the legacy of time. So, anyway, um, I, want to, I want to talk to you a little bit um, about last week. Last week we talked about tithing. And if you weren't here and you haven't read your newsletter yet, um, last Sunday was off the hook. Just when I uh, announced the sermon topic, um, people got real excited. A lot of people got emotional. Um, we had a moment where people were running around the church. And then before even when I, I was, before I even had a chance to give an altar call, half of the church came forward. And the only reason the other half didn't come because they were writing their tithe checks back at their seat. Now, if you haven't read the newsletter, that didn't happen last week at all. I was being sarcastic, but that is, I share that because that's often uh, an awkward topic to talk about. What I want to encourage you as we con- continue to consider stewardship, um, I want to encourage you in these upcoming weeks uh, to consider taking a step towards tithing if you are not already. It is a simple, sacrificial, and spiritual act of worship. If you can put 1 Peter 4, 8 uh, through 11 up there, Nick, our, our base text for this series is above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. Now today, we're going to continue this series and and talk about the legacy of time. Before we do that, Nick's going to put a verse up there for you, or a question up there for you. I think it's slide four. And I'm going to, when I'm going to point to this. Whenever it comes up, I'm going to point to this. So we're going to have some audience participation today, okay? And so you're going to ask that question out loud. So when I point to that, I'm going to ask you as a congregation if you can ask that question, okay? Ready? All right, we're going to try that again. we got to get in a little bit, you know, maybe some of you had energy drinks too. Some of you went kind of fast, okay? Now, uh, by the way, if those, I feel like those are getting a bad name, and they are. They're really, really bad for you. But you know, all of the names for them, uh, all of the names for energy drinks are demonic, you know? Red Bull, Monster. If they just come out with stuff like Bread of Life, 
spirit of God energy drinks, Christian ones, then I wouldn't feel so guilty every time I drink one. So somebody wants to come up with that, that would be great. But we're going to try to say this again, and we're going to slow down, okay? As a steward of the Lord, what am I supposed to be doing with my time? So yeah, say it with a little bit of like, will you answer my question, Pastor Brody, okay? That's the attitude I'm going to need for you to have as we get through this message. Because as I told you last week, tithing is actually a pretty simple concept. Scripture is really clear. It's not that complicated. Time, a lot more complicated. Um, That's why this is an appropriate question for today that you're going to be asking me often as we continue through this series. Uh, So will you join me? As I begin with a word of prayer. God, you are good. And today we need your word more than we need the words of man. So in this moment, I pray that your spirit would open up hearts and speak to this congregation. Lord, bring light to dark areas. Bring clarity and perspective to places in our life that are often murky and confusing. Lord, today, we want to understand what it means to be the people of God in such a time as this, and what it, understand, what it means to be a steward of what you have given us. And so, Lord, open up our hearts that we may respond. Your will be done, and you speak this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The passage that Cheryl read, I'm going to get back into verses 15 and 16. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The word for time there, or opportunity, where it says is is the word kiros, which isn't necessarily specific calculated time, that word at best means um, a moment in time, a limited amount of time, a specific opportunity. Opportunity is a really good English translation for that word. And so here's what 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10 says. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10 regarding time says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. The day of the Lord, it says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, what you get from this text is the Lord's got plenty of time, and he will do whatever he wants with time, but we don't. It is limited with each one of us, so we have to consider what we will do with our time. And Psalms 90 through 12 is a very good verse That calls us to recognize this. It says, teach us, Lord, to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That simply means help us, Lord, to consider the scope of our life before us. 
and actually consider what we will do with it. Today, throughout this message, I'm going to be challenging you to consider how you are being intentional with the time the Lord has given you. Because there are many people, this is a very, very common quote that I, that I came across. I was, uh, this really put things in perspective. Many keep, people come to the point at the end of their life where they would say and recognize something like this. That I miscalculated the brevity of life. And I underestimated the length of eternity. At one point, you may come to the realization that you have miscalculated the brevity of life and underestimated the length of eternity. Our days are fleeting. We don't really have that much time. And so what are we to do with what the Lord has given us? Now here's what verse 17 says. Verse 17 says, Therefore, since we only have a little bit of time, since the days are evil, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Well, that's verse 18. But here's uh, verse 17. It says, Being people that know the will of the Lord, intentionally taking hold of what the Lord's will is. If you could put that question up there, church. All right, so I've taken five minutes and I've been talking, and have I even answered your question yet? No, I've just been telling you that our time is limited. This is a tough question to answer. And part of the reason that it's tough is because we want some specific answers, and so I'm going to try to give you some. It says, I just told you how we need to know what the Lord's will is. And so what are some things that are the will of the Lord? Well, here are just a few that I'm going to give you this morning, most of which directly from Scripture, Scripture, most of which say directly in the passages that this is the will of the Lord. Now, first, I want you to put up John 10, 10. It says, the thief, the enemy, comes only to still kill and destroy. But Christ, is, 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 who's referencing, is saying this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fool. So here's just a few things, and I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but you're going to see them up there. The first thing is, of course, that is the, the will of the Lord, is that he wants us to be saved, according to 1 Timothy 2.4. A second command that Paul gives us is that we be transformed. That's according to Romans 12.2. Another thing is described as the will of the Lord is that we be thankful in all circumstances. That's according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Are you rolling with me? Good. You're all over this, Nick. Good job. The next is that we be sanctified and avoid sexual immorality. That's according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. I like this one. The next one is that we silence the talk of foolish men by doing good. And that is according to 1 Peter 2, 15. When Jesus commands about what it means to be a disciple in Luke 9, 23, he tells us that we must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. In Micah 6.8, he tells us that we must act justly. And then with all of these things, even just that I just mentioned, which is certainly not an exclusive list, Psalms 40 verse 8 tells us, I desire to do your will, O my God, 
Your law is within my heart, that we would take delight in his will, that we would have the desire to do his will. So another question that you're trying to answer, if you can put slide number four up. I don't know if I answered your question yet. We're supposed to do the Lord's will. Giving you some specific examples from Scripture as to what the Lord's will is. Now, maybe you would say, just from some of the passages that I've shared, maybe what you would share, I think I've been doing that. I, I mean, I do the best that I can. I, I try to be a good person. I try to be grateful. I try to be thankful. I try to treat people with justice and with mercy. And, and uh, you know, I, I try to, um, to, to avoid certain things, and I try to, to, be, to be grateful with what I've been given. Um, I have to remind you that with this, the way that this text is written is that you must be intentional with your time. When he says the days are evil, you will not fulfill the Lord's will without some intentionality. If you go into default state and let the world happen to you and let life happen to you, you will find yourself wondering, what am I doing with the time I have been given and what am I doing with the life that I have been given? And so when I begin to share things like that, I'm reminded of the video that I showed you last weekend because I like that video so much. Um, I'll probably show it at some point again. But there was one guy in the video when, when, talked, when it talked about tithing. Uh, one of the characters said, right now, things are just crazy. I mean, we're already, we're going to give, we're going to give someday. We've, ta- we've already talked about it. But right now, things are just crazy, crazy. And some point, we're going to get to that in our life where we can give, where we can slow down and maybe give the Lord a little bit more of our time. Um, but right now, things are just crazy. And I've come to the realization, and I don't know why, it took me about three or four years ago to figure this one out, and I'm still trying to figure this one out, exactly what it means to do with it. Many of you may come in here to say and say today that you don't understand. I am just incredibly busy. All of my time is sucked up. I've got all these different things going on. I've got all these different plates to spin. And here's the reality that I've come to recognize myself. And I hate this. This is a hard reality to accept, okay? You're going to have to put your seatbelt on. You're going to have to swallow this one. You ready? You might be lucky to have an empathetic wife. You might get lucky and have an empathetic boss. But for the most part, no one will ever care about how busy you are. No one will. We don't care. We don't care all the plates that you're spitting. We don't care about all the things you're doing. So here's the truth, church, that we have to recognize is that busyness is on you. If you are too busy, if there are too many plates that you are spinning that's causing you to go a little crazy, it's causing you to lose your mind a little bit, the things in your family are suffering, um, that, that, that other areas of your life are getting darker rather than brighter, then it's nobody else's responsibility but yours to look your life that you have created in the eye and decide, is this what I am called to do? So I hope you understand what I'm saying just in this moment. There is nothing wrong with busyness at all. But we have to recognize as men and women of God that it is our responsibility, nobody else's, 
to control our busyness, to control and bring under control, under the will of God, the lifestyle that we keep. Because we want everybody to care, don't we? <laughs> isn't, that like, isn't it nice when, when you forget to do something or, or when, when, when you usually have to say, I'm sorry because I forgot to do something and I do that often? Usually there's a backstory that you begin to tell everyone. I did this this week and I did this and I did this and while I was on my way to do this, I forgot. Oh, I'm so glad you told me that story. <laughs> now I have so much more empathy for you. No, we just don't work that way. You know, we do have some tendency to be a bit empathetic because we all understand we're all a little too busy. But I hope you hear my point. No one will ever do that for you. That's on you. It is on you to discern whether what you are taking on in your life at this point is too much, whether it is too all-consuming. And so I've been, you've been asking me this question um, uh, through, uh, through the sermon today and, and because I asked you to, <laughs> and so I'm trying to give you some simple answers. So you want some simple answers? Here are some things that we should be making some time in our life for. Many of these we've talked about throughout. First, of course, personal devotion. I've said that many times that um, we, you can pray anywhere and everywhere, um, but it was modeled for us in Scripture that Jesus consistently uh, got up early and, 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 went to, and, and spent time at the end of the day in relationship and communication with the Lord. The best part, one thing you can control typically about your time is what time you get up and what time you go to bed, and typically those make the best times for us to find just a few moments to communicate with God and be in relationship with him. So we should be finding a way to make some time for personal devotion. We should be fi- finding some time to make, to make moments for family, not just to be present, but to be fully present, to be engaged in the lives of our kids, to be engaged in the lives of our spouse, to be engaged in the lives of our grandkids. We should be making time, of course, to work. And I will never tell you that working should not be a part of your life. We were created to work. We were created to serve. We were created to, to make an impact and to be self sustaining. We are to be a part of a community, but we are created to be self-sustaining individuals. Now, if you're ever wondering if I'm working too many hours, all I have to speak, the Bible will not speak clearly to that. So all I have is personal experience. From my personal experience, I used to keep my time in in different occupations when I started here, actually. And I noticed that once I got over 60 hours a week, I started to lose my mind a little bit. And as things started to get a little bit different, I wasn't completely myself. I was praying with a guy this morning who was having a, a similar experience. And what happens when we kind of get in that category is we become really selfish. And we don't even mean to. We become really selfish because we don't have time for anything else. So it's all about me. And so there is a danger. I, that's just nothing more than a number, guys. You do whatever you want with that. But I've noticed about myself when I get over 60 hours a week, I become very selfish and very Brody-driven, and that's not the way I was created to live. Fourth, relationships beyond your family. Uh, The relationships that you have in your life uh, to connect with, the community that you have, the opportunities that you have to speak into others' lives and bring impact. We need to be making time for that. Of course, as you'll hear me talking in future weeks, we need to be finding ways to make time for ministry, for that which we can make a specific impact for the kingdom of God, whether that be within the church or outside of the church. And here's the one that sometimes people will rejoice when they see this one, and sometimes it will make people cringe. But the one is rest. 
we must learn how to make time to rest. The most disobeyed commandment of the Ten Commandments is to, uh, to keep the Sabbath, for it is holy. There is a biblical pattern that we would work our tails off for six days, but yet devote a day to rest. And I, that's a whole uh, sermon in itself to spend some time talking about what the Sabbath is. But oftentimes, many, many points we have the understanding, does that mean we're not supposed to do any work at all at our house? Does that mean we're supposed to try the best we can to pray all day? Does that mean we're supposed to spend all day watching TV because we're not allowed to do anything? I was recently reading a book called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And the best way to put this into perspective is to do that which brings you rejuvenation, that which brings you delight. If it's, if it's restful for you to, to go fishing, then rest. If it's restful for you to be with your kids and, and to enjoy that time, then, then rest. But it is biblical that we be intentional of finding a way to empower ourselves, to rejuvenate ourselves. I talk to, I joke with, with Jake all the time because he's, he's one of those, um, and Jill is the same darn way, but they're, they're, the, they're people people, and it is restful for them to be around people. Isn't that true, Jill? It's often restful for them just to be around people, and I don't understand that. I was like, I just want to get away and relax a little bit, um, but for some people, it's, it's rejuvenating, and it's enriching to be around other people and be in community. Church, what I'm trying to tell you is you need to know yourself and recognize that you do need rest and we need to make time for those things. Now, we've been talking about, the, the series is called The Legacy of Stewardship. Your time is truly a legacy. It's something that you are passing on whether you recognize it or not. You're passing it on to your family. You're passing it on to those that know you best. You're passing it on to your church community as well. Because you know what's happening with what you are doing with your time. You are stating what is primarily of most importance to you. And so others are going to see your life and recognize what is important to you. And if you are one that is admired by many, then they will, they will attempt to follow suit. And they will remember someone who worked this hard or who gave themselves to the Lord. And is prayer together important to you? Is, is, taking, is getting in church on Sunday morning important to you? Is, is, is doing a ministry important to you? Is, is having relationships and, and being impactful in those relationships, is that important to you? Because whether you realize it or not, somebody is always watching and there is a legacy of stewardship that is being passed on. So what I want you to understand is that time is not something that we just give. Time is always something that we invest. Scripture talks about, even in the passage that we just read, an urgency. That there is an, an urgency that time is short, so we need to be careful and consider about what we're doing with our time. But the people that, that I meet that seem to have this under control, they're not like in a hurry. They're, they don't have this kind of, everything is just, they, they have to hurry up and do stuff. They, they have this different kind of peaceful contentment about them. 
because they've come to recognize what truly is important in life. And because I'm a human being, when I'm interacting with them, they, they know how to slow down and place a high value on relationships. They understand the eternal impact that they can make just with a conversation. They understand the eternal impact they can make by just being fully present in a moment. And so one last time, I'll have you ask me this question. Slide number four. You coming? There you go. Go ahead. All right, if I haven't answered your question yet, I'm going to take one more shot at it here. I have one last illustration, and, and I won't be giving this money away. Sorry, I'm selfish. Um, and I need it later, okay? But let's imagine that our time, I have $23 here and, and a dollar's dollar worth of change. And I've shared with you that time is an investment. It is something that we have chosen to give. So here's the best that I can do is to give you a scope of a typical 24-hour day. Okay, so let's just take, I looked up, by the way, and it said the average, uh, the average adult sleeps 6.8 hours a day. So we're going to say roughly seven hours is how much we sleep. We devote, so 20, so we just lost seven hours a day just to sleep, Okay. And by the way, they say that number has gone down since the 1940s. We used to get, everybody used to get almost a full eight hours. The average adult would get eight. Now the average adult gets 6.8. So we're going to say seven hours just to sleep, okay? We give about eight hours, which is nothing more than an estimate. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours to work, to school, to all of that which we do to make an income or for kids to that which we have to go to school. See, it feels a little different when we're actually exchanging that time and saying this is how quickly it goes away. This is where this investment goes. We make investment to sleeping because that's important that we get rested for the next day. We make an investment into work because, as I shared, we need to be self-sustaining. So the average American, some other things is we put maybe, let's just say, an hour into hygiene, okay? to getting a shower in the morning, to clean to getting clean and, and, and taking care of what you need to take care of. Um, you know, if, you, if, you, if there's other thing you do to take care of yourself, we're going to give roughly about an hour for that. About one hour a day just traveling, okay? Getting from point A to point B for your job, getting from point A to point B for your school. Another hour, which many of us may spend more than this, just to eat, all right? we got to eat in the morning, we got to eat at night, and even just the prep that it takes to eat, of course, this can be even more than that, but about an hour a day for that. And then there's about three hours a day, roughly, that we spend to do the things that we need to do at home, well, anything from phone calls to texting to yard work, taking care of the kids, taking care of the grandkids, the necessary things day to day that we do that need to get done. Um, this is about three hours a day. And about two more hours is usually kind of the me time. That's stuff that we do for entertainment, social media, uh, whether we sit in front of a TV and just go into the nothing box, the stuff that we do for us. And I got $23 there. You notice this is about all that's left. And for some of us, this is our perspective. 
of what we got left to give the Lord. And then we even look at whatever change is left. It's like, I don't know if I can give all of that. And see, this is so we just kind of take a little bit and take a little bit away. It's like, I'll give the Lord this much. And as we shared last week, some of us, this is how we view tithing. That we'll give whatever we have left rather than place the Lord first and recognize that we are his and all that we've been given is from him. But church, when it comes to stewardship, this isn't what the Lord is asking of us. And he's also not asking that we radically, that we tomorrow have to make all these radical changes in our schedule. Biblical stewardship with our time simply, remember what the dollar bill said as we put up last week? In God we trust that every moment of time that we have to give, whether it be in work, whether it be with our family, whether it be even the stuff that we put into our body and even our travel time, that everything we give is an investment into the kingdom of God. The uh, the way that we work, the way that we communicate with other people, um, the things that we do at home, our attitude while we do them, every moment that we have to give is we were created for it to be an investment in the kingdom of God you have to understand, church, is the Lord has never asked for your change. He's never asked for whatever you have left. He is a jealous God. Church, he wants all of you. That is what you were created for. That all that we have and all that we do is ultimately to be done unto the Lord. And we are created to do his will. At this time, we're going to transition to communion, and I'm going to ask our deacons to, to come forward to prepare. And Nick, you can begin to, to play that song. But as we transition into communion now, the, the question we often have to ask ourselves is how to, we're going to be coming to the table to partake of the bread and, and to partake of the blood. as a Bread and, 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 and juice together. Now, we have to ask ourselves of how can we keep coming to the table in each and everything that we do in our life. You weren't created to put things in departments. This is the person I'm going to be when I'm at church, but this is the person I'm going to be when I'm at work. And this is the stuff that I'm not going to talk about or not going to pretend that I participate in when I'm at church, but this is the stuff that I'm going to do and participate in when I'm not in church. It's not what you were created to do with your life. The Lord does desire that we give all that we have to him. And so this here is a metaphor for what we're created to do daily, each and every hour. It's hard to do that while you're sleeping. I'll give you that. But each and every hour, we give ourselves to the death that comes from the cross and knowing that we need to continue to be crucified personally and give the Lord more of ourselves. But we also experience the life, the empowerment, the invigoration that comes when we recognize that we are his and we are not here on our own terms. So as you come to the table today, be reminded that this is what we are called to do with each and every moment of our life. An opportunity for death and an opportunity for new life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these moments that we've had together. And as it's been our confession weeks ago that we need you. We need you more than we did yesterday. That is the confession of a Christ follower. 
May our confession never be that uh, we're good. We've had all that we want. We've come to the point where we can just stay right here. Everything is good. No, Lord, you're always calling us and moving us along and ready to move in our life in new ways if we will only yet let you. And so today as we come to partake of communion, may our hearts be that of which we recognize what we are called to do with every hour that you have given us. We must be stewards of all that is yours. So Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as you told us to, to do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, now we partake with open hearts as a community of faith, a people that say, Lord, we want to be more of yours today than we were yesterday. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, you're invited to come to the middle. You'll come and grab a piece of bread and dip, and you'll be able to make your way around as we, we, we always do. So at this time, you're welcome to come and partake of communion. As always, I'm going to be here and available for prayer. I would love the privilege to pray for you, and I would ask as you come forward, if we can please keep some reverence in the line, we'd ask to keep your speaking to each other very limited as we make our way forward.
Would you join me as we conclude with a word of prayer? Thank you, Lord, for these moments together as we've come to your table. To be reminded of who we are. Lord, this is what you told us to do, to remember. To do this in remembrance of you. As our text shared today, you reminded us to make the most of every opportunity. Recognizing that our life is fleeting. And each moment that we have is, an impo- is important for us to, to give. Each moment that we have is an investment. So Lord, may we choose to invest our life and not just allow it to happen to us. But that is the power that we possess as we have been given dominion here on this earth. We recognize the power that we have in your presence and your spirit and live the life you have called us to live for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.